0: right, I am sitting here with Wendy Higdon. Wendy, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I am fantastic. Wendy, you're our first out-of-state guest.
1: I feel so special.
0: You you are. So welcome to our our new temporary studio, which is in uh, the basement of the Maxwell House out in Oswego, Illinois. Maxwell House like the coffee. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Good to the last drop. So, Wendy... Thanks for being here. And uh, we typically start this off with a little bit of uh, a bio of our guest. So if you wouldn't mind telling us uh, where where you're from, uh, what, what school you're at, and maybe just a, a few stops along the way, how you got involved with music, music education, any mentors.
1: Okay. Well, I'm from Indiana. Um, I've lived there my whole life. In central Indiana, I went to Ball State University for my undergraduate. And uh, when I got out of... Uh, of Ball State. I I got my very first band job in a community uh, called Lebanon, Lebanon, Indiana. It's about 30 minutes northwest of Indianapolis. Spent eight years there. And then I was able to move uh, to Carmel, Indiana, which uh, I had done my student teaching at Carmel Junior High, and I was able to take a job there. I was at Carmel Junior High for five years. And then uh, we opened a new middle school uh, Creekside Middle School, and I uh, took the position there at Creekside.
0: So you opened, and, and we'll go back to a couple of things here, okay. but you, you opened a school.
1: I opened a school.
0: And what does that entail as a band director, and would you do it again if you could?
1: Oh my gosh, it it was extremely exciting, but also very exhausting. Um, and I, I think part of the challenge for me is, is I not only had to take care of the band. But um, I'm the department chair there. And our, our department is a very eclectic group of of people. (laughs) (laughs) At the time that we opened, I I not only had music, but I had art, I had uh, industrial technology, business, family and consumer science and wellness, which is PE and health. I have all of those areas. Now that's been pared down quite a bit. And um, I don't have a couple of those areas but at the time you know you you think about starting a school from scratch you you have to buy everything and so making you know making these lists of what needs to be purchased down to forks and knives and spoons for the family and consumer science room you know on one list to timpani and euphoniums and baritone saxophones on on a band list and string instruments and art supplies and all of that so um I actually was hired as, as department chair in November the year before. Fortunately, I had an an amazing student teacher the second semester, and he got a lot of teaching time. <laughs> just because I I was you know just so wrapped up in in trying to get everything taken care of that I needed to do uh, to open this new building, and then once we opened, we weren't able to get into the building until about the second week in July, right after the, after the 4th. And I work seven days a week from July until the end of December. And then I cut back to six days a week from January to the end of the school year. (laughs) Just, I mean, you know, you think about it, you have a new school, you have nothing. um, Your, your music library is not set up. You don't have a school song. You, your inventory, you know, you haven't, you haven't, Tagged all your cases and you haven't made the inventory and and you know just everything that that you think about that a, that a band director deals with record keeping we had to create all of that okay
0: so I, i'm thinking right now of everything that i take for for granted in a band program because immediately i'm like okay you, you, you gotta buy instruments you have to buy music you don't have a fight song you don't there's there's no there's nothing there's no identity to the school essentially yet that you know, is going on until those doors open. You start to build that, that culture. What were some things that were maybe the most surprising about opening up a new school then? You know, if you were to give advice on somebody doing this right now, where would you say, hey, make sure you do this or make sure you order this?
1: Gosh, I don't know. It's that's it's we're we're getting ready to start our fifteenth year. So some of those memories have kind of faded into the background.
0: (laughs) Or maybe you press delete on on purpose. (laughs) Maybe that too.
1: You know, I think one of the most surprising things was just trying to bring staff and students together. Okay. Uh, Creekside was our third middle school in the district, and so the majority of the teachers came from one of the other two middle schools. And so there was a lot of, well, at my school we did it this way and it my school, we did it that way and and trying to find that common ground with staff as we were starting to develop our identity and our image and our traditions and our philosophy for how things worked. It took a couple of years to kind of work through that before we kind of quit hearing those, those kinds of statements. The students, surprisingly, even though they were, they were coming, basically, our, our building's on the west side of town, so they just shifted everybody west. So two-thirds of, of Carmel Middle School moved west to Creekside. So I had had all of those students in class. They had all been my students, but particularly the eighth graders were very, very unhappy about being there. They were very unhappy about being redistricted, and uh, they didn't—they didn't have that buy-in. And so the first couple of years were just rough in terms of of trying to figure out what the culture of this building was. And then you had the challenges such as um, instrumentation, hmm. because when the district redistricted, you know, it just depended on where you lived. So, for example, I think we had. 12 percussionists in the seventh grade band and when we split them up only two of them ended up at my school Mm. and 10 at the other school our orchestra director didn't have any bass players in our eighth grade orchestra uh the choir the eighth grade choir I think had 18 kids in it just because of of the way the boundaries were drawn and so it was a couple of years of of just kind of rough weird instrumentation and just Mm -hmm. trying to work through that um Things that I don't think you really think about.
0: Okay. Do you, do you think being that they were band kids or art kids that that was tougher for them to deal with than instead maybe they're just going into a new English class? Because, you know, as we look at with bands and everything, there's an identity. Mm-hmm. There's, as you said, the fight song. There's a little bit of a culture for it. And now you're taking out and you're finishing up your junior high experience here. Do you think that had anything to do with it?
1: You know, I, I don't know because... A lot of the teachers moved, moved with the sure. kids. So, um, as you know, as I had mentioned, I had had all of my eighth graders that first year at Creekside had been my seventh graders. Yeah, yeah. the last year at um, at Carmel, I, I think the other two schools had had the same kinds of issues, but they were they were losing kids from okay. their programs, so it was a little bit different. Um, you know, there was some. I think any time a community redraws their their district lines and and kids end up having to go to other schools there's a lot of angst involved in that and you know some of it's the kids and some of it's just the parents um in our community it's carmel's a very affluent community but we have pockets that are not yeah and so the administration at that time did not want all of the students on free and reduced lunch to end up at the, at the same school. Okay. They wanted to spread the, spread that out a little bit. And so the boundary boundaries that they drew were very odd. Um, it's almost kind of like a, a political map that's been gerrymandered <laughs> a little bit. It was just, you know, it was just odd. And so, you know, we had students that had a, you know, a 25-minute car drive to get from their homes to their new school, yeah. whereas they were half a mile away so there were there was a lot of, why do I have to go to this school when I sure. live across the street from this school? Um, it it just took a few years to kind of work through that and, okay. and for us to develop our identity.
0: I would imagine you know as I said maybe it was hard if you're you're a band kid there, but it also might be kind of easy. In a sense where, you know, you do have this this group that you can at least take some solace in and you're, you're still with your, right. your your band group as well. There.
1: Most of them. I, we moved about two thirds. Yeah of, yeah. of a school. So there there obviously there was a large chunk of, of students that mm-hmm. that didn't go.
0: Yeah. Um, the other 10 percussionists. The, yeah. The other 10 percussionists, all the bass players. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Well, and it sounds like you've done a fantastic job with it, though. So you go from opening to a school and, um, you know, and I know we're kind of skipping around here a little bit, but I I think something that a lot of people that listen to this might be interested in is uh, the Midwest Clinic. So you go from opening a school and um, later on your group plays at the Midwest Clinic. Yes. And can you describe, you know, we'll start with just the Midwest Clinic experience first, because you know, a lot of us might not get that opportunity. How does that opportunity for feel for you and how did it feel for the kids?
1: Well, the performance itself was absolutely incredible, but the real, the real value in that experience is the journey that you take to get to that performance. And, um, it was just a, it was just a really very neat group of young people that I had in the band that year that we had in the band that year. And, um, we did a lot of extra things. Uh, you know, we did some rehearsals over the summer and we did um, a, a little mini camp right before school started. And we had some evening rehearsals and just some things that we we don't typically do that allowed the kids to bond more strongly than I think happens in a in a normal year. Mm-hmm. We uh, we did 10 pieces on our Midwest program. OK. And so um and and we can talk a little bit about <laughs> some, some of the preparation things cuz there's there's some interesting things that people may not know but um when we uh, we performed half of our program at our at our fall concert end of October we performed the entire program at school in December and then we did another preview concert for the community the next week and then the week after that was our performance okay. at Midwest so by the time we actually got on stage at McCormick's place the kids were like been there done that they were <laughs> calm cool collected there was there it was it was absolutely surreal there there were no nerves sure it was just we got this I, they knew exactly what they were supposed to do you know stand up sit down you know switch the music here's where i go as a percussionist from from place to place they'd had an opportunity to work with um Two of our three guest conductors, and they had performed, they had conducted in, in one of our earlier performances. Okay. Um, Mike Pote, who's the director of bands at Carmel High School, was one of our guest conductors. So he was able to, to come over and work with the kids a lot. And then Richard Saucedo was um, who had just retired as band director at Carmel High School, uh, was another one. And so both of those guys had, had conducted the kids already in performance. And, you know, it was... It was just an, it, it's that experience that everybody wants. Like you step up on the stage and you just know there's nothing to worry about. Sure, sure. And so the performance itself was a lot of fun because all the hard work had already happened.
0: Here's <laughs> just the celebration of it's, the It's what we art. tell the
1: kids all the time. Oh, just go out there on stage and enjoy yourselves. Yeah. And, th- and it happened. It actually <laughs> happened there. <laughs>
0: on the international stage. Holy yes. Cow. So how did, you know, and and you said the kids were, you know, really well prepared and enjoyed that. What were you feeling inside at that point? Did you just feed off of that energy? Did you recognize it? Were there any nerves from you?
1: Not on the day of the performance. Not on the
0: day of the performance. Wow.
1: There were plenty of nerves leading up to the performance, but, you know, it was just this, it was like the Zen moment. (laughs) Um, It was absolutely the most incredible thing I've ever, ever felt just to, to be able to, be in that kind of high pressure situation and just nail it and just do it. Well, I don't, you know, we didn't nail everything in that performance. I, you know, I I still have a hard time going back and listening to to the recordings, but I think that's just, but
0: it sounds like right now you're, you're speaking very positive of and of it, you know, and, and it was a, you know, something that was impactful for everybody involved.
1: Oh, absolutely. And Excellent. and I, I, I would do it again if I ever had the opportunity sure. to do it again. I, I don't know if the stars will align for us. <laughs> um, you know, that's a pretty uh, it's a pretty rare occurrence. Sure, sure. But, you know, I would do it again in a heartbeat.
0: So what were those things then you said that we might not realize about the Midwest Clinic? I think you brought it up particularly with maybe music selection or other processes. The music
1: selection process is pretty intense. Um, there are... Now I will let me let me preface this by saying the people at the Midwest office are absolutely top notch. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. They help you get through this preparation process in in just a, a, a very, very organized way. The communication from them is outstanding. Um and, and I appreciated that so much. But the the music selection process is so it's the most stressful thing. And um, there are about four pages of rules for the music selection. Everything from, oh, let's, let's see, off the top of my head, you can't perform anything that's been performed at the, at the Midwest in the last, I don't know, three to five years. So you have a list of all these things that you can't perform. You can't perform anything that anybody else is performing. Um, there's rules about publishers. So you can have two publishers that are represented twice on your program, but every other publisher has to be a singleton. Okay. And the publisher has to be an exhibitor or an advertiser at the, at the Midwest. Um, for every four, five, six grade level piece you perform, you have to do a one, two, three. Half your program has to be new pieces published in the last year. I mean, it just goes on and on and on, all of these rules. And so as you're as you're starting to piece together your program, it's it's like a domino effect. If you change one piece, you might have to change two more. Oh, man. <laughs> because now all of a sudden you're not meeting all these requirements. And so
0: It's making me think of Sudoku a little bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, but there's a twist. So you get this you get this date. So they say, okay, at ten AM on such and such a date, you're gonna get to go in and select your first three pieces.
0: Okay. And what does that mean? Like, are you physically going somewhere? Is it an online process? It's online. Okay.
1: And so it's like you sit down and you click on the link and you're typing as fast as you possibly can because every other band director that's performing at Midwest is doing the exact same thing. Okay. And so we lost a couple of pieces because somebody beat us to it by like two seconds.
0: Oh, holy cow!
1: So then you go back and and you know I wanted that piece and now somebody from such and such a school has has selected that piece. So now I've got to go to to plan B or my second choice sure. and so you do that a two or three times what
0: time of year is this about when you're doing that oh it's early okay it's like August August
1: because you have to have your entire program set by September okay and once you submit that you can't make any changes okay so you're you're making these decisions a lot of times before you really even know what you have what you have <laughs> sitting in your band room um, I mentioned Richard Sacedo, uh, guest conducted with us, and he, he actually wrote a piece for us. Um, great piece called um, Of Gale Force Winds. Okay. And so he wrote this piece for us to perform at Midwest, and he was conducting it. And so when it was time for us to submit our program, all we had was the title, the length, and then it was going to be a grade three. There was no music at that point it wasn't written yet and so so it's like okay we're gonna put this on here fingers crossed that this works
0: I thought you were gonna say some other band found out the name of it and reserved the piece
1: (laughs) so you know and and Richard and I had had spoken and you know I kind of told him I said okay you know my trumpets are a little weak these sections are really strong you know so take it easy on the trumpets you know I'd love to have a lot of, you know, we've got strong woodwinds, so I'd love love to have a lot of, you know, we had kind of talked about um, some of those elements that, and potential pitfalls. Sure. So, and, you know, he was great. He, you know, I gave him complete creative control, but I said, you know, these are the... This is kind of what I'm thinking, but that was in very, very broad strokes, and so um, and then he would send me, okay, here's the first 50 measures, <laughs> and then okay, here's the first 75 measures, and so we we built that piece and rehearsed that piece in chunks because of his his writing schedule. Okay. And uh, but that was that was a that was an interesting way to do that.
0: That's got to be a cool thing as a kid, though, to kind of see all of the Lego pieces separate and then eventually they build up. And I mean, I'm sure it was hugely stressful on you, but I don't know. I just think of as 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 a kid, that might be kind of cool. Like here's the first 50 bars. Here's this. Oh, now this sounds like this together.
1: I think it was um, very, very cool for the kids. And, and, you know, I trusted in the process. Sure. And, you know, the nice thing about having a piece written for you, if there was something that didn't work, could you change this (laughs) you know um and so and and richard was great with that um one of the you know the really obviously the kids got to work with him he came out and he he rehearsed with the band he conducted them both at the clinic and um on our preview concert and so and he's just such a, a charismatic person um he just has this presence with kids that they, he just draws them in. I, it's just amazing. Um, but, you know, as we got, when we got up to Chicago, um, many of the composers either stopped into our rehearsal at McCormick's place or they came came to the performance or both. And so the kids got to meet. Okay. They got to meet Brian Balmages. They got to meet, you know, Jim Swearingen, They got to meet, you know, these different people that um, that had composed or in the case of Jim Swearingen, we did one of his Carl King March sure, arrangements, sure. which those are amazing. So you
0: can't meet Carl King, but... Yeah, yeah
1: you can't meet <laughs> Carl King, but, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was it was just, it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Yeah.
0: So, I'm interested, though, too, where you said, you know, uh, how was the year a little bit different going to Midwest? You said you guys had some little more team-building activities with the kids, mm-hmm. um, but from the standpoint, like... You know, working working in a school where the kids have to take other subjects and everything, you know, how was how that process? Because I'm assuming the rest of the school didn't stop and say, oh, you guys are going to Midwest. Okay, you don't no. have to do this. You don't have to do that. And I think that's another thing that would be interesting for people to hear.
1: About the only uh, accommodation that was made is that, you know, Midwest happened during finals week. Okay. And so we had some kids that were permitted to take finals early before we left sure but other than that you're right the school the school didn't stop everything continued as as normal in the rest of the building and we had to find a way to make this you know make this happen sure. within the the constraints of our of our class time um so yeah it was it was definitely bu- business as usual around us sure while we're trying to work at, at warp speed and and uh, really develop the kids and you know you do things you bring people in to to work sectionals I mean you, you pull out all the stops if you've gotten invited to Midwest yeah you're gonna you're gonna take advantage of all of all of the resources that are available to you and then some
0: sure but that I'm assuming though that that probably wasn't the only focus that first semester though. Right. You guys probably still had some things that you guys did as a band, I don't know, concerts, things like that, that you still we, you know, we're we're gonna do a little bit of business as usual, but yeah. we're gonna try to we're gonna try to do maybe a little better <laughs> in this aspect we to get were, ready.
1: We spent a lot of time on fundamental skills. Okay. As far as literature goes, the the Midwest literature was the literature. Yeah. But you know, we were constantly working on um you know, just entrances, releases, articulations intonation was a huge um, push just trying to get kids listening better and matching better. And yeah. so there was a lot of 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 focus on those on those skills that we knew that they needed in order to perform the music.
0: okay so let's let's switch gears then a little bit um, and let's talk about music in Indiana, which I'm really, interested in because i teach music in illinois and i know we're next door um but where we're at out here um for example i'm not sure if you guys have a like a a statewide system or not i I really didn't look that much into it because you didn't do your homework you're here and i thought you were going to answer those questions (laughs) okay
1: (laughs) i'll do my best
0: but i but i know there's there's some differences sometimes with the state organizations Mm -hmm. um and things like that um is it, is it pretty consistent out in Indiana? Do all of the kids start at the same time? Does it vary by school district? How are school districts set up? Um,
1: it, it does vary by school district. The majority of the schools seem to do a sixth grade start okay. at the middle school level. Um, there are some places where it's a fifth grade start, but that's usually because the fifth grade is in either in the middle school or in the intermediate school. Okay. So I know in, in Illinois there, you have programs that start in fifth or fourth or even third grade. We don't have any of that. We don't have, we don't generally do not have elementary school band programs. We don't do pull out lessons. So once we get them, they're in heterogeneous classes and, and you go. Okay. So um, I, I would say that that is the big difference is that, it's generally generally sixth grade, okay. I, I would say probably eighty to ninety percent of the schools at least are, are sixth grade start, and um, no pullout lessons, no, generally not like instrument classes. Sure.
0: And what's our what's our schedule for that then? Is that do they meet weekly? Is it every day?
1: It depends. Um, there seems to be a big push right now uh, for block scheduling at the middle school. Really? Yes, and and my school adopted it. This will be our fourth year. Okay. So, and
0: how do you feel about that?
1: I I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> um, let me let me be a little bit more specific. Sure. I think ninety four minutes is a really really long time to ask eleven and twelve year olds to sit. Okay. I think 94 minutes is an extraordinary long amount of time to ask 11 and 12 year olds to play their instruments.
0: And is this daily? Is this an A-B it's schedule? It's this, this an A-B. Okay.
1: So we are fortunate that our beginners are on 45 minutes daily. Okay. So they're on the, those skinny periods. Seventh and eighth graders are on on the block, so it's 94 minutes every other day. And it's it's a big adjustment for the kids and you know personally having done it three years i still don't feel like i've really figured out the secret to making it work sure i've i've tried a lot of things but i'm i'm torn between this idea of um doing non-playing activities to give kids a break means that they're not playing their instruments which is what i think they need to be doing and so so finding that balance of you know how what's gonna what's gonna make them better musicians what's gonna make them better players and how can we do that in a way that um honors their ability to focus honors their stamina and uh it's it's tough the kids what what i have noticed and and i've started to see a um, a widening of the gap. Kids that struggle with organization and focus at school really struggle with organization and focus on a block schedule. Okay. Kids that are pretty organized and pretty focused generally do okay. They may not, you know, I, I usually see kids hit the wall around 60 minutes. Sure. So... That's two-thirds of the way through our class period. So, you know, I don't know. I don't see any, any sign from the district that they are looking to change this okay. in the near future, in the foreseeable future. Um, because they, they believe, and, uh, you know, we had a committee that, that studied the research for a full year before they made the recommendation sure. to go to this. Um, they, they believe that it's best for kids. Okay. And, and I, I don't think they would go to it if they didn't truly believe sure. that it's best for kids. Um, and it may very well be best for a math student or a social studies student or a language arts student. But it is really hard for an
0: instrumental student. I taught, my first two schools that I taught at were block schedule. And my first was an A-B school. And the second, I don't know how he did it, but the director, a few directors before me, Got it to where we had band every single day, ninety minutes a day, every day, four periods Mm -hmm. a day, and I remember talking to somebody else that said, "Well, twenty five percent of your high school career is band, you know." Which I love band, but that's a lot of band. (laughs) That's a lot of band. You know, the hard part for me was the the just because we, we were doing so many performances for a semester, parades, football games, and then a four day weekend would come in. And I would see the kids on Thursday. They'd have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday off. I wouldn't see them on Tuesday, and I'd see them on Wednesday again. Mm -hmm. And I just, I never got used to that. (laughs) It's really
1: hard. Or if if a child's absent, so, so tough. Yeah. Um, And our high school has been on block schedule for at least 20 years. And they like it. It works for them. They like the longer rehearsal times. Uh, they're able to, to spend a lot more time on fundamental skills. And, and I, I think that it works for, for them just fine. But their kids are also older and a little more mature than our kids. Yeah. Uh, the other challenge that, that we face, um, you know, the eighth graders who logic would tell you are, are probably best equipped. To handle that longer class period we get them block four so they're at the end of the day so i think they would do better if we saw them earlier because they come to us and they're exhausted sure sure so it's it's you know it's been a challenge and and we're continuing to reflect and learn and mm-hmm. try new things and um you know I'm, I'm not giving up on it because this is what it is and, and we've got yeah. to make it work but I'm not sure, going back to Midwest, I'm not sure what we would have sounded like on a block (laughs) schedule, because at the time we performed at Midwest, not only did we see the kids daily, we saw the kids daily for 53 minutes.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, 53 plus 53 is more than 94. Sure. So each class has lost about 40 minutes of instruction time per week. Okay. Okay. Since the change. Uh, Not only were we on a daily schedule when we performed at Midwest, but I also was able to put seventh and eighth graders in that band. Okay. I can't do that anymore because mm. we went uh, we went to a teaming model in addition to the block schedule. So now I'm locked into grade level
0: okay. classes. Okay.
1: So, you know, I mentioned before, I'm, I'm not sure the stars will align for us for another Midwest performance. It doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, give up on that. Oh, sure, sure. But... Just because some structural things have changed in in the way we're scheduled, it it's not the same situation that I had five years ago when we performed. Yeah.
0: So this this question is for you as a music teacher and an administrator as well, because out here we have some fine art standards for Illinois. We have you know our, our I forget what they are because we're not held accountable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> i think 25 26 27 24 i don't know somebody can send me hate mail on that but out here to be honest with you we've got you know in a lot of our schools we do the charlotte danielson teaching evaluation Mm -hmm. we've got um you know sometimes they'll throw out the national music standards but we're not evaluated to to those at all Mm -hmm. is there something in indiana that's that's different or is it pretty, pretty similar to what we have here. Um, and, and I guess maybe a little more specific with that, like, is there a statewide music requirement for any kids or, um, do you expect in the state of Indiana, a sixth grader in band is going to be able to do this across the state?
1: Um, no, there's not, um, there, there is a recommendation. Okay. There uh, the recommendation is is that every student in in middle school, and I'll just speak to middle school, that every student in middle school should have a music experience. But again, it's a recommendation, and the the term music experiences can be interpreted in <laughs> a lot of different ways. So, in our district, and this was another change that made that was made three years ago, but in our district currently every sixth grader has to take a music class. That could be okay. band, orchestra, choir, full year classes, or they can take nine weeks of general music. Okay. After sixth grade, there's no requirement hmm. at all. Um, as far as, as standards go, um, we just had a rewrite of the state standards and, and they're, they're in the process of rolling those out. And I haven't, I looked at them when they were in uh, public comment form, but I haven't gotten a look at them since. Uh, we're going through music program evaluation this year in in my district, so we'll be sure we'll be looking at those a little more closely. Um, but we're not; we don't have fine arts supervisors in our district. I mean, I'm a department chair and I do evaluations, but w- we don't have somebody overseeing mm-hmm. that process. Um, that is a fine arts person. Sure. We have someone in the curriculum office who's in charge of music. Okay, but. So, it's a little different.
0: Yeah. So, I, you know, again, I, I think from the Illinois standpoint, like we, you know, and sometimes my friends will talk and we will look, we've got some good programs in Illinois, but we'll look at Indiana and we'll look at Texas mm-hmm. as, you know, the the, the gauge of success. Right. Is that true in your opinion or is the grass just greener on the other side? And that's, that's what we're seeing.
1: Um. Well, I, I think there's a lot of things that are working. As far as the you know, the, the notable programs that you hear about around the country, the Carmel's and the Avon's and, mm-hmm. and, and those places, um, those are all for the most part our, our strong programs are Central Indiana programs. There's a few elsewhere around the state. Um, and you know, I I don't know that there's a particular secret other than just good teaching. Mm-hmm. Um I was able to go down to Texas this spring and do a site visit three days in Louisville ISD. And we visited uh, two high schools and five middle schools and saw some incredible teaching. But I also saw a a setup that allowed for like instrument classes at the beginning Mm. level, um, private lessons happening during the school day uh, the high schools, both the high schools that we visited, were kind of what you were just talking about, sure. where it was ninety minutes every day, and so they had some structural things that were in place that really helped to give those kids a great start on their instruments. We have to, we don't have that luxury, okay, in 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 our school district. But you know, it's just like anything else. If if you want something badly enough, you're gonna you're gonna find a way to make it happen. <laughs> And, um, you know, we're, in my community, we're fortunate that we have parents who care about education, uh, who care about the arts, and who, who push their kids to be successful. So that parent community involvement is high, and the teachers that we have just really do an amazing job with the time and the resources that they have. And, you know, I think sometimes we we overachieve a little bit. Okay. I, I don't know if that's a fair statement. I don't know if my <laughs> colleagues would agree with that, but, but I do. I, I think sometimes we're successful in spite of some of the roadblocks that we have. And um, there's a there's a lot of perceptions out there about what, what Carmel is and isn't, especially from you know people in, in in Indiana. And I think those perceptions are not always accurate. Sometimes they are, but but I, I think they're not always accurate. I think it is easy to say, well, you know, in this school, they have X, Y, and Z. Um, it's easy for, for us to say in Texas, they have yeah, this, yeah. this, and this, or they have this money, or they have this um, schedule, or they have these lessons, or they have these instruments. And while that may be true, there's other things that we don't have. Um There's, for example, I can't recruit for my beginning band.
0: Why can't you recruit?
1: I can't do anything during the school day. So I can't go visit my elementary feeders and talk about the music program and and encourage Mm. kids to sign up. Okay. I can't do a concert to um, show them what band and orchestra and choir is. I can't do anything during the school day that would interrupt their instructional time. Okay. So... And and that's you know, it's kind of a big deal. You figure out how to <laughs> you figure out how to work around it. You you know, everybody has their challenges and and their their positives, and so when when you have something that's really helpful in 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 the structure of your program or in the way that your administration operates, you be thankful for it and you run with it. And when you have something that's a, a bit of a roadblock, you've got to. You just have to buckle in and, and say, OK, we're going to get through this.
0: So what you're saying is we all have challenges and we just have to figure out how to work around them. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I know that sounds so simple and, it and does. stripped and, down, but and, it's, you know, every single person I've talked to like you that's that's successful and has done some great things with bands, you find out that, you know, the, the situation is not our school is just a band school. We have band every day. Our budget is this. It's that. It's no, there always comes down to be some other type of of issue. That's not perfect.
1: No place is perfect. No place is perfect. And um, there are, there are definitely places where you have more challenges than others. And, you know, I think that's why some schools see a, a revolving door of directors because some of those things become, really difficult to overcome yeah but you know that these are the cards that were dealt and and that's what we have to play
0: yeah does being uh and you're still department chair at your school does does being a department chair change your perspective as as a band director at all
1: i think it has to okay um
0: so we're very tunnel vision sometimes i mean at least i am i think so we
1: are it's it's very hard for me to um advocate for something that the band needs if it's going to hurt another curricular area in Mm -hmm. my department. And so we run into this a lot with, you know, the kids only have so many elective choices. All the electives are in my department. So anything that pulls kids away from or pulls kids into band, pulls them away from something else. Okay. And so I, you know, I have to really, step back and take a, a big picture view. And that can be challenging sometimes because I have to put my own personal wants and desires for the band program maybe behind what's best for the department. The other thing that I think um, I'm very fortunate is that our music team Works extraordinarily well together. We there's no infighting. There's no competing for students or resources. Um, you know, we just we have four teachers that really care about the overall strength of the program, and you know, the band program can't be as strong if the orchestra program or the choir program is weak. And so we we really work together to make sure that band, orchestra, choir, all of it has what they need. They have the resources, they have the support, and, and those kids are getting a great experience. And if, if a kid comes to me and says, you know, um, I think I'm going to try choir this year, great. You're going to love Mrs. Johnson. You're going to have a great time.
0: Mm-hmm. So what do you think then, um, just for some help for some teachers here, what, what, do, what do you think teachers should maybe try to look at from an administrative standpoint sometimes just to understand some of those things?
1: I, I do think that when you, when you go to an administrator, they have so much on their plate. They have so many things. They're having to worry about every staff member, every program, every student in the building. And they still have to, to answer to their...
0: Everyone's got a boss. Everybody's <laughs> got
1: a boss. And so if you're just coming to your administrator with problems they're not going to like it very much when you walk through their door. Okay. Um, I, I do think it's important to keep your administrator informed. Hey, heads up. This happened. You might, you, you know, in case you hear about it, this is, this is how I handled sure. it. Sure. But I think when we can go to our administration and offer solutions, that makes a huge difference. Especially if we can offer more than one solution. Uh, but even if we can't, if, if it's clear to the, that administrator that I've tried to look at things from the the uh, the point of view of of a core teacher, or I've tried to look at things from the point of view of the athletic director or mm-hmm. the assistant principal or whoever that might be, it's a lot easier for them to to back me up.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about musical mentors. Do you have anybody in your, your life that was... Uh, particularly helpful to you as a musician or as a, as a teacher?
1: I, I think, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you some names in a minute, but I, I think anybody can be a mentor. I think you just have to look for it. Um, every, everybody out there knows something that you don't know. And everybody out there, even, even the student teacher or the first-year teacher has something that is a strength for them. Uh, even your students can teach you something. So I, I think you have to you have to look at every every opportunity, every interaction as what can I what can I learn from this person? What can I gain from this person? And it doesn't have to be you know some famous band person or famous musician. It it can be just a normal you know the band director in the next town over maybe know something about fundraising that you know that sure. can help you or um so keeping your eyes open for mentors y- you can find them all around you uh as far as as me personally just going back to getting my start in in band um when i when i started band we started in 7th grade which is a little late for a lot of people. Um,
0: what did you play? Clarinet. Okay.
1: And my, my middle school band director, Susan Finger, was... Um, she, was just a, she was a very young teacher at the time. She'd only taught maybe four or five years. But she was a go-getter. And she held us to high standards. And she was demanding and um, smart. And she was a great musician. And, I, I you know, at the time... You know, this was back in the early '80s. There weren't a lot of female band directors, um, so I think not only as a, a teacher, but also as a as a role model in terms of, yeah, girls can do this too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, times are changing. It's not the good old boys club that it used to be, but there's still elements of that there. Okay. And um, you know, I think most most women in the profession have probably faced some kind of discrimination or some kind of of something because of our gender Um, but you know she was she was successful at what she did and you know that that let me know that hey I could do that too it's not it doesn't have to be a man Mm -hmm. Um, when I got my first job in Lebanon I uh I found out later after I'd accepted the job that there were um administrators in the district and I think even some school board members that said that they didn't think a woman could do the job. And this was in the early 90s. Um but you know I'm pretty stubborn so if somebody tells me I can't do something I'm just going to try to prove them wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you can't let it stop you. Sure. You just have to you just have to do what you have to do in order to do you know, do what your you job, do. <laughs> do what you have to do, do your job, be the best teacher you can be, educate your students in the best way that you can.
0: Absolutely. Well, great. Um, let's plug your website here, because oh. I, I really appreciate this. And and I told you before we started, you know, I, I started this thing as something that I needed, you mm-hmm. know, and still need to, to get this professional development going. We all do. And, um... Things like this that I've listened to, websites, resources, and and not just the, you know, the Midwest Clinic is great. They've got a lot of their resources up uh, out in Illinois. Our ILMEA website has some great resources, but it's also really cool and really helpful to see uh, somebody like you that puts out a website and you've got a lot of published articles by, um, you know, Smart Music, for example, amongst some other companies, mm-hmm. and um, just really good content. So I was kind of scrolling through some of those things last night, and, you know, it was really cool because there were a couple of things that, you know, I, the one I read about keeping reeds stocked in your band room. <laughs> I mean, some are just really practical. Yeah. There's also some, of course, teaching uh, techniques and advice there as well. So, so can you tell me how the, the website came about?
1: Uh, the website came about um, three or four years ago, and um, you know, my colleague at the time, we were talking about, you know, what can we do to um, you know get back to the profession a little bit, and we talked about some different ideas. And he has a website too. We we kind of both decided that that was one way that we could communicate with um, with the the community at large. And so, um, you know, I started it, and uh had a companion Facebook page that got promoted on the the band director's group, and it just kind of blew up and okay. I don't know, in three or four weeks, I had two thousand followers or something on my facebook page it was It was absolutely surreal and so the web the website is really about if if I can in some small way give back to the profession. You know, I feel like I've been pretty fortunate in this profession. I've had um, a lot of success, but also a lot of good luck, good fortune. And if, if there's a way for me to help someone else out, then I want to do that. So everything on the website is, is free, free downloads. The articles are there for free. I don't charge for anything on the website. Um, It's there. If it's helpful to you, use it. If it's not, you know, <laughs> go surf the web. Go I, surf I, the web. I, go on YouTube you know. or something. Yeah. And so. Um,
0: What's the website? And, I, and I'll put it in the link yeah. of this episode, but the website it's
1: link. It's podiumcom Okay. And, you know, I think it's it's really helped me to uh, to get some opportunities. Uh, it's You know, I've got, believe it or not, I've got um, people subscribed to the website from all over the world, uh, I'm actually going to be in Australia in a couple oh of goodness. months. Um, they have their National Band and Orchestra Conference, and I'm I'm going to be a keynote presenter. Now, how does that even happen? You know, <laughs> a girl from Indiana is, is flying to Australia to present at an Australian conference. But, you know, I think th- that's the world we live in. It the world's a lot smaller than it seems. Mm-hmm and when we can connect with one another even if it's online it's still a connection and you know you think about those band directors who teach in an isolated area where maybe maybe they're the only music teacher for miles around K through 12 and they have nobody to bounce ideas off they have nobody to learn from nobody to mentor them and so the internet is a is a great way to to connect yeah, with somebody. Absolutely. And, and and realize that you're not alone in this profession. Because it, it can be very isolating.
0: It can be. And and I know it can be a competitive profession as well. But at the same time, you know, nobody likes listening to a bad band. And I and I appreciate, like I said, when, you know, I'm looking for some of these things, going like, oh how the heck do I fix this? Mm-hmm. And you can find People like you online sharing these things. Yeah. So, you know, again, I'm very appreciative and it sounds like thank at least 2,000 other people are. Well, I don't well. know. If, you know, we'll see. <laughs> maybe, you
1: know, maybe it's just, uh, you know, whatever. But I, I do think it's I, it's just a way to, just like your podcast, it's yeah. just a way to, to provide and give back a little bit.
0: Absolutely. Well, Wendy, thank you for driving all the way out here just for this from indiana through all those roundabouts in in carmel
1: <laughs> we have a few
0: you have a few over a hundred we have uh i think we have three in illinois uh, well two that are official and one that it's still going through the process to get approved. in the
1: entire state yeah you are a little behind
0: eh, we're okay with it.
1: Got some catching up to do
0: so we've got the stop signs That's how they do it out here. Okay. Well,
1: it's (laughs) Illinois, so, you know.
0: Wendy, thank you very much for sitting down here.
1: You're welcome.